So I hope you enjoyed that set. Um, those of you who didn't do it weren't here last week, I offered that last week as well. And um, it was in a different context. We were talking about Sila. And um, this evening, I have a bit to say before I actually get to it, but I, I am going to talk about wise effort. And um, I think that meditation felt like a nice entryway into this conversation of right effort because of the way we, uh, or most people, think about what, what that means to put effort into something. And so it was a very different way of efforting to just be sitting, offering your practice as an act of peace. So hopefully you got a taste of that at least. So where I, I really wanna begin is um, to go back to this path that we've been discussing, the Eightfold Path. And Buddhism is considered the middle path. We hear that a lot, that Buddhism as a spiritual practice is a middle path, which implies there's many paths Perhaps there's many, many paths to awakening, to the same, to the same awakening that um, we're talking about in Buddhism. But Buddhism is a specific path and is considered the middle path, the middle way. So it's in the middle in the way that it's not promoting the extremes on either side. So it's not promoting extremes of physical deprivation, uh, at the time of the Buddha, there, there were many, there, and there still are some of these traditions that continued forward through time. Uh, practices where depriving the body in many different ways, um, uh, such as even starvation, uh, was, was not an uncommon practice in India at the time that the Buddha was, was practicing. And he practiced in that way for, for a long time. This middle way is not promoting any kind of um, psychological harm. So it's not uh, physical or psychological harm uh, as a way of coming to a spiritual um, transcendence. So that might be on one side of that, the extreme. Um, but it's also bringing a light to just how much um, we as human beings live outside of that middle way. You know, most of us aren't living in those, those extreme ways that I just spoke of, but we're living in some kind of extreme, right? And I think that this middle path is highlighting that. The path itself may be relative to what's quote normal, um, at this point in time seems really extreme to a lot of people, you know, you know, for example, to go and sit on retreat, um, although that's not required to walk this path, but most would say that is really extreme to be in silence for that period of time. Um, some would look at the sila practices and say, wow, that's just too much. It's too extreme for me. But I often wonder, you know, would uh, the, the wise people of ancient times, what would they think if they saw life as it is 
uh, right now, they'd probably say, this is really extreme. So the, the Buddha's, uh, the Buddhist path is asking us to come into alignment with the way things are, which is said to be this middle way, which there's something so beautiful about that. It's not asking us to go on the outsides of just the way things are or being asked to live in accordance with the laws of nature. And we, we many of us anyway, uh, here on the call, you know, don't necessarily do that all the time to live in accordance with the laws of nature. But even still, this nature, it's part of us. It's not something we're looking outside of ourselves for. All of that is, is right here within us in our experience. In many ways, this middle way is uh, a spiritual remembering of who we really are. Sati, the word for mindfulness in Pali, it gets translated to mindfulness. Actually, more directly is to remember. That's sati, to remember. We're remembering who we are. Remembering maybe to come back to the present and to be with what's really true. But uh, in that, remembering the nature of things, including ourselves, that we're a part of that that nature. So having that frame of the middle path is really important, I think, um, when talking about wise effort. So it's all, all just a context, a way of bringing context to what we call wise effort, because that wise effort also needs to be in alignment with this middle path, this middle way, and not in the extremes. In the teachings of the Buddha, there's a simile of a lute, and a lute is, is an instrument that can still be found, is still played, um, but it's more of an ancient instrument, I believe. Um, it's a bit like a mandolin or um, a string instrument that you would pluck and play, and I believe sometimes a, a bow is used. Uh, but the, the simile here is the tuning of the lute the tuning of the strings. So if you're not familiar with any of those instruments, think guitar <laughs> and how you would turn the keys at the top to tune that guitar strings into the key that you want. And our practice uh, as far as wise effort is very much like that, that we're, we're needing to constantly fine tune uh, our practice, our efforts, that the middle way is this fine tuning, that there's not just one way that we put effort forward. It wouldn't be in accordance with the nature of things, which is that we're always changing. We're constantly changing what we are confronted with or experiencing within a moment is different from moment to moment. And so the effort that's required might need to change. There's a story about Ajahn Chah who um, 
was a Thai forest master who's uh, become, he's very well known within our tradition. Um, and he, uh, he's actually a teacher that I've never, I uh, wasn't practicing when he was still teaching. Um, and he died when I started practicing. So I never met him directly, but a lot of um, what he taught in the way that he taught has inspired my own practice in the way that I teach. And so the people who did learn from him, I've learned from them. And so I find him to be a really inspiring teacher. Ajahn Chah. And there's a story about him and I'm, I tried to find it before, for, before this evening and I can't find it. I think it's a Jack Cornfield story because Jack was a monk under Ajahn Chah, but I'm not positive. But anyway, the story goes something like uh, this, whoever the monk was at the time, overheard Ajahn Chah giving instructions to another monk. And they were wildly different from the instructions that he had received. And so he went to Ajahn Chah and said, you're contradicting yourself. I'm hearing you give these teachings and you're contradicting, contradicting yourself. And the way I remember the story being told, it was kind of like, gotcha. <laughs> you know, looking for, you know, where, where's the fault in, in my teacher? Thought I got you. But Ajahn Chah came back with some, something like, when I see a practitioner walking down the path and they get a little too close to the left, they're going to fall off on the left. I say, you know, very gently, go right, go right. And then when they get a little too far to the right and they're going to fall off, I say, go left, go left. Uh, that was his response. This is, and this to me, uh, when I bring that into my own practice, is kind of how we navigate wise effort. You know, we just do this fine tuning of, oh, a little too much. Let's go this way. Oh, not enough. Okay, let's go this way. So we're learning as we as we practice when to turn it up, and when we need to maybe come back. And, and settle and um, not put quite so much energetic effort forward. It reminds me of, um, it reminds me, I, I think that loop is uh, in, in the using of an instrument and the fine tuning is so apt in the way that uh, you know, we're, we're like that with a, with a instrument, let's say um, a guitar, you go and you're going to play somewhere else. You're not playing in your home where you've, you've been tuning it and you've been playing. You've, maybe you're going to go on stage and you're going to perform and you're in, in a new environment. The instrument is in a new environment. And just the temperature, it changes the tune of the instrument. You know, the, the wood moves, uh, it, it expands or contracts and it changes the sound, you're no longer in key. And so even if you fine tuned that instrument before you got there, before you play, you, someone, if not you, is gonna sit down and tune it again. And, and that's what we're doing with wise effort. We're becoming attuned to whatever the scenario is, whatever the experience is, and adjusting that effort accordingly. 
this fine tuning, if I can take this analogy a little further, it takes a trained ear. It takes listening. And I mean this listening, not in the sense of from our, from our ears as practitioners, but this listening with the whole body, this attunement with what's really happening right now, this deep listening that is receiving in this receptive mode of what's actually needed. What is there to know right now? There's a story about Mother Teresa who was asked in an interview once about her prayer life. And the interviewer said, he asked, when you pray, what do you say to God? And Mother Teresa replied, I don't talk, I simply listen. And believing he understood what she had just said, the interviewer asked next, ah, then what is it that God says to you when you pray? And Mother, Mother Teresa replied, he also doesn't talk, he also simply listens. And there was a long silence with the interviewer seeming a bit confused and not knowing what to do next. And finally, Mother Teresa breaks the silence by saying, if you can't understand the meaning of what I've just said, I'm sorry, but there's no way I can explain it better. <laughs> and I feel like as Dharma practitioner, we do understand. We understand what she's saying there of how we are attuning in this way, listening with all of our, ourself to what is here, what's actually being offered right now through my mind, my body, my senses, through my emotions, what's happening. So this wise effort is about being attuned to what is happening and what is needed. So it's this foundation that helps us move forward. It helps us navigate. It is our fine instrument internally that helps us move with whatever is here. So sometimes when we're really working through something in our practice, uh, we can find ourselves ping-ponging uh, between trying really hard to get it right, right, to make it better, that kind of, that kind of striving, and then we ping-pong to burnout. It's just too much. We're putting all this effort in. I'm going I'm to get this all figured out. I, you know, put everything I've got into it and it's not sustainable. And so we can find ourselves sometimes in this pattern of unhealthy striving and burning out. Just, I got to take a break. I can't, I can't sustain this. So this would not be wise effort. This would be a misunderstanding of what wise effort is. And it happens a lot in, in practice. I think it's, it's kind of part of the path is we, we fumble with wise effort for some time until, um, until we get it. We can also have this tendency of trying hard with our head, you know, trying that mental figuring it out. 
know, I've got a problem, I'm gonna think my way through it. Um, and we can make a whole project around it and uh, around our spiritual practice. And ultimately, at least what I've found and what I've heard from others is what this usually leads to is not awakening states. It usually leads to a lot of tension and anxiety or some combination of that, um, some form of that. But in our mind, our mind thinks that it's got the answers. It's the way, it's the way to go. You know, we've been trained um, through our education, through from our perhaps from our upbringing, um, that it's it's our mind and our thoughts that we value over everything. So we've been trained in this way. Um, but sometimes with wise effort, we find that it's not the way. Sometimes it's we're needing something softer. We're needing something more gentle. That wise effort can look like um, something uh, more tender and soft. Ajahn Chah has a quote where he says, at some point your heart will tell itself what to do. It takes a lot of trust. This trust that my heart will know what to do. Not my mind, my mind is spinning, <laughs> trying to figure it out, trying to work it out. At some point, my heart will know what to do. I feel that's very aligned with this wise effort. So in the same vein, we have to be careful not to let our habits, um, our unhelpful habits of how we do things. Right? So if you're listening to the quote, to the recording, I'm putting quotations around that, how we do things. There's often we have a story of how we do things. And this is how I get things done. And we have to be careful not to let those unhelpful habits seep into our spiritual practice. And I say that as a warning, but I'm also saying it as a pointing out instruction. Because of course we do. <laughs> that's, how, that's how we got here, <laughs> are all our unhelpful habits. And so of course we do. Of course it seeps into our spiritual practice. So we have to watch out for them. Um, so if we are an overachiever, you'll find that seeping into your spiritual practice. You'll find yourself striving in some way that's got you in knots trying to figure it out up here. If you are someone who doubts yourself a lot of the time and so have a hard time moving forward or finishing because you're afraid of failure, you'll bring that into your practice. You'll find yourself stumbling over that over and over again. If you're someone who has trouble committing to just one thing and you like to bounce around from thing to thing to thing, always looking for the next better thing, then that it's amazing how that comes into our practice. You know, we just want that, you know, the next uh, uh, practice instruction, that'll be the one. We want the next best teacher, conditions, retreat center, whatever it is, and we can bounce around looking for better. 
and all that time not seeing the habit itself and looking inward. We can spend a lot of time doing that. So all of this um, gets in the way. It's all the same. It's all just the same habits that we came to the practice with. It's just wearing a spiritual cloak. <laughs> and it gets in the way of us really understanding wise effort. What does it mean to live in this middle way? Here's another Ajahn Shah quote. He says, proper effort is not the effort to make something particular happen. I'm gonna read that one again. Proper effort is not the effort to make something particular happen. It is the effort to be aware and awake each moment. The effort to overcome laziness and merit, in other words, merit, in this context is like being good, doing it to be good, being, being a, the right, a right, right in some way. The effort, instead it's the effort to make each activity of our day a meditation. This is wise effort. The forest tradition, where the tradition that Ajahn Chah is from, the Thai forest tradition, um, puts a lot of emphasis on practice being every aspect of your day, every aspect of your daily routine. So there's um, practice in the formal way, they practice a lot in the formal way, but they also think of everything else, their interactions with each other as practicing. Uh, they're uh, just maintaining the body, as practice, um, whatever their role or job or um, um, activity is at the temple, at the monastery, that that's not separate from practice. There's this beautiful flow that happens. So wise effort is supported by continuity when we can have this continuity through our day, through our life. And we're not uh, you know, thinking of practice as this particular time, but thinking of it in terms of everything we do, when we're bringing our mindfulness to everything we do, that's wise effort. And it doesn't stop and end, stop and end. And when we do that, that tuning, that fine tuning, it's not so extreme. We're not doing this as much. It's, it's much more subtle. I remember early on in my practice, before I even considered wise effort as something to consider, <laughs> I remember sitting on, I sat a lot of retreat early on in my practice and I would, I would do that ping-ponging, um, but it would be in I would get concentrated. I was, it was easy for me to get concentrated in the meditation and have these really great experiences in the formal sitting practice. But the minute I got up to walk to, you know, the, the walking room or when I was in um, the dining hall, just the, the, uh, 
the hindrances, I'd be overcome with hindrance attacks. Um, it was kind of like I was able to maintain, there was all this effort going into the concentration during the sits and maintain that concentration. And then the minute I stood up, I just put the whole thing down. And okay, now what's next? And go to the next thing. And within that time period, I'd be flooded with just, you know, <laughs> the craziness of my mind. And it took a long time to, to realize that it has everything to do with continuity, that um, putting all that effort in to just that one period of time and not find a way to sustain it, to carry it through from moment to moment, that even though I would, the bell would ring and I would stand up, the meditation doesn't end. I did, you know, go do my yogi job, you know, cleaning the bathrooms. And, you know, I learned over time that that too was just the, the same meditation, different posture. And it's harder outside of retreat. You know, retreat, it sets us up to have that continuity. Everything done on the retreat, on a retreat, if you sat long retreat, it is tailored to support your continuity. That's what it's about. That's what a retreat is about, is, a, is creating the conditions to support that continuity. And so it's harder in, in day-to-day life outside of retreat, but it's not impossible. It looks a little different, but we can hold everything that we do as this practice, as something to bring our attention to. In this way, this wise effort, it is what sustains our practice. Uh, when we have it, it bolsters our confidence. We feel more capable. We're not doing uh, that ping-ponging. We're not feeling those extremes ups and up and downs on, on a regular basis. We feel confident in our practice. We have faith in our practice and in our ability. We have confidence in ourselves confidence in the path that this is actually working. This wise effort, it's something that we can play around with and be playful with. Check it out. See, you know, when I do this, does it work? Or learning from um, ways that we're using wise effort that's not skillful, realizing, nope, that's not it. That's not going to work. So we can be playful with it. And then over time, we become masters of wise effort. There's a real mastery to it. When we master it, our practice becomes more of an intuitive uh, practice, this intuitive way of being with whatever arises, coupled with that confidence. I know how to adjust. I know how to move with this with my practice. I don't have to hit the pause button. We just keep going. I just bring my awareness to it and I have all these different tools with that. I know how to dial it up. I know how to dial it down. It's this appropriate response to whatever is happening. And so in this way, our whole life 
It's the whole of our life that becomes our practice. Become these living, breathing Buddhas in that way. So I'll end with this poem and then open it up for, for comments. This is William Stafford. The poem is called, You Reading This, Be Ready. Starting here, what do you want to remember? How sunlight creeps along a shining floor? What scent of old wood hovers? What softened sound from outside fills the air? Will you ever bring a better gift for the world than the breathing, uh, the breathing respect that you carry wherever you go right now? Are you waiting for time to show you some better thoughts? When you turn around, starting here, lift this new glimpse that you found. Carry into evening all that you want from this day. This interval you spent reading or hearing this, keep it for life. What can anyone give you greater than now? Starting here, right in this room, when you turn around. That was William Stafford. So let's end. They are all in there. I'd like to hear from you. Just what are your thoughts? How does this idea of wise effort, how does it show up for you? What are, those, what are those habits that you recognize, those unhelpful habits that you recognize that seem to get away, uh, get in the way of that wise effort? We can have a conversation. Yeah, Betsy. Hi, hi everybody. Um, well, Kate, once again, your Dharma talk is like right where my life is. <laughs> Quite amazing tonight. Um, you know, I've been sharing over over a little while about how I was strung too tight and didn't realize it, and until my body began to have symptoms, and I've been really recalibrating and trying to find like what is middle because you kind of got to know what loose is, you got to know what tight is to know what middle is, and I didn't really know what tight was because I I was tighter than I knew. So. I've made a lot of great adjustments and things are ever so much better. But the thing that is the most touching to me that, that your talk really helped, helped me remember or made me want to just share is I have, I have certain parts of my life that are very disciplined, very disciplined. And that my mornings, my early mornings are very disciplined because I have a lot of early morning responsibilities. I'm in a 12-step program where I talk to a lot of people as a mentor, as a sponsor, pretty much every morning starting at 6 or 6.15. And before that, I want to do my meditation. I want to do my Qigong, et cetera. So I'm kind of on the clock, you know, and then there's meetings. I have 12-step meetings at 7 or at 8. I have my meditation group. And, you know, I, I really show up. And I also kind of a hard worker, you know, and I have a really uh, very um, a precise to-do list that I've created, a template, like whatever, et cetera. And it, 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 so, and it's all good. It's good. You know, it's like, I didn't use, I was a hot mess before I got into 12 step recovery. So, you know, it's really been great 
to, to get a more disciplined life. But anyway, I have been playing with loosening the peg just a little bit because mm. some mornings when I wake up, it's kind of like, I'm not sure this is really I want what I want to do. I love Qigong, let's say, but I'm not sure this is really what me and my body want to do right now. And I'm starting to listen to that more and let the disciplines relax a bit and trust, just what you use the word trust, trust that heart that knows what it needs. Mm. And it sounds pretty simple and basic, but me, it's really powerful. Trusting that I'm not going to just fall apart or never do Qigong again or start flaking out on my meditation. No, you know, sometimes all I need is five minutes to stretch and yawn and step outside and breathe the 4 a.m. air and the 5 a.m. air. And it's like, ooh, I feel like doing Qigong, you know, but it's just that feeling of like, I can relax a little around this and I'm still going to be okay. Yeah. And, um, and it's, there's also one, one last thing. There's a beautiful feeling that my own goodness is like, I have goodness in my, what, my impulses are not bad. My desires are not bad. There's goodness here. And that kind of self-compassion that you've been doing a lot with us around self, self-meta and self-kindness, it's beginning to really permeate. Mm. And um, I feel like I'm worthy of relaxing. I'm worthy of listening to my heart. So big, beautiful changes. And then this whole image of the wise effort and the string that's not too tight, not too loose, just really nailed it for me. So thank you oh. so much, Kate. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you, Betsy. It was a beautiful share. <laughs> I was going to say that um, I feel like, Kate, you've really expanded my mind around wise effort that... Um, I don't know, it's somehow in all the books I've read and the Dharma talks I've heard and all that. I don't know, somehow I feel like I sort of missed the boat on wise effort. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that I continued to think of it in sort of a typically Western way of, you know, you just apply it here and you apply it here and you apply it here and not in this real sort of integrated, expansive way that's tuning into what's happening and also tuning in and tuning into what's needed. And um, so I think that's um, because I, I, I'm definitely somebody who can overdo the sort of traditional effort and end up in burnout or upset or whatever. And so just, um, I feel like I'll be kind of chewing on this for a while and um, and and um, seeing how I can, um, you know, live it more, live it in some way. Um, yeah. So, so thank you. Um, I feel like a beginner <laughs> in terms of wise effort. I feel like a total beginner. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I guess that is good. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're not, you're, you're a seasoned practitioner, but we, you know, we just, it's, this is why this Eightfold Path, it's so helpful. We just keep coming back to it. You've heard, you've heard these things before. I really do believe you have, we've all heard it, but 
it, and we all have this experience of, you know, I've been doing this for years and this is, I get it. <laughs> you know, suddenly it opens and we understand it. We have to hear these things over and over. And each time we do, we, we start to bring it into our understanding a little bit more. And so, you know, that's, that's probably what's happening is it's just being framed in the right way in this moment. And it's, it's mm-hmm. landing because you're ready for it. You know, you're really ready for it. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Wendy. Sure. Yeah, Jeannie. You got to unmute there. There you go. There's two aspects to me. So one is that I bring to my practice. I bring to everything is I have a a couple of different learning disabilities. So I'm never going to do it right. Mm. You know? Uh, and I'm never going to do it as well as other people, you know, it's mm-hmm. always that kind of, and I've, you know, worked with that to just, there is no right way. There's not better. There just is, you're just doing it. So I've worked on with my mind around, you know, doing it right or doing it the best way. And, and I do read a lot and try to keep myself informed about it. And that's another part of it is if I know, if I keep reading, keep studying, I'll finally pass the test kind of thing. Um, but you know, I, I, I know in my self that that's just a racket <laughs> that yeah. I'm just running. Um, <laughs> and that's fine. And, uh, and the other one is the busyness, uh, that I get too busy to do it too busy. Um, and, uh, the gift of having Athena in my life is that I have a time of, during the day that I, I'm, I, I'm just with her. So there there's less busyness um, and, and just listening to her in, in that body way. I'm trying to f- communicate to somebody who doesn't really communicate verbally at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's been helpful to use that as a spiritual practice of just being present, just being present with her um, and, and try to deflect all the other things that are calling to my attention. Um, but I hadn't really heard, heard it. And I've, you know, done a retreat and I've done many Dharma talks um, and, and workshops and things. And I haven't heard quite the wise effort in the way you described it tonight in a way that I feel more like Wendy. I can, oh, now it's, it's because I was saying, oh, this is a moment I can do it. This is a moment I can do it. Instead of saying I can do it all the time. Yes. I was trying to find moments where I could practice it. Right. No, it's so, it's meant to be completely integrated. And, you know, there is a too much busyness and, you know, Betsy, you were talking to that, that we can over, we can overcommit, over offer, (laughs) you know, so there, there's some tuning there, but there can also be busyness and practice. And I think this is what you're pointing to, Jeannie, is that the two can actually coexist. I know I've spent a good amount of time in monasteries in, in the U.S. and in Thailand. And some of those places, um, depending on the time of year, were incredibly busy. <laughs> it just, there was a lot to do. And, you know, you'd start, you might start the day if you're, um, and I, I've experienced being in the morning meeting of this is what is the day it has in store. 
we need this monk and this monk to be on this and this lay person and this nun to be doing this and and you get your kind of the rundown there's a lot happening and there can be busyness and we can be mindful of that busyness we can be mindful of still all the the things that are happening it's harder you know we need a, a matured practice for that but it's it's not our lives don't have to be we don't have to live in seclusion we don't have to wait till you know I want to say retired but I haven't met a retired person who's not doing anything <laughs> y'all seem really busy to me <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know when is that time where <laughs> it all just kind of stops and all you can do is practice you know, it's got to be integrated. So, um, yeah, it's a mindset. It's all a mindset that we're just turning, you know, oh, the conditions don't necessarily change. It's just how we're holding it, just from a different point of view. And it's everything. It's everything that we can do that. Okay, any last words? We have a couple minutes and then we'll close. Yeah, Cynthia. I, um, I, I just really liked the story you told, uh, Ajahn Chah and uh, the, the person going this way or they'll fall off or they go this way or fall off and, and just bringing the middle way into this whole idea of wise effort it's not extreme and 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 how our habits of mind and can go crazy <laughs> so it, it it just was a lovely story because i can see myself sometimes doing it no 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 no. come back in come on you know don't let your mind go there come come oh. <laughs> you know? yeah, sort of like hurting cats maybe <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's that way <laughs> <laughs> yes so I just particularly enjoyed that and the softness of it, the softness of, uh, of wise effort doesn't have to be the dictator saying you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this, but that you're, you're following your own um, instinctual nature in a way, honoring it rather than trying to um, make the mind part control some some notion that you have so it, it it's about trusting oneself I think to to have wise effort to believe that you are good I think what you said Betsy trust your own goodness to give you what you need in that moment and yes. so it was very uh, it helped it was very good thank you I'm glad Cynthia and really I'm bringing it in this context very intentionally because I I find it's not just a Western mind. It's, I, I find this is true across uh, nations and cultures that there can be this idea of effort is usually more on the over-efforting side, the too much where we quickly become um, tight and, um, 
yeah, just straining in a way that's not necessary and not sustainable. You have to think of the sustainability piece. If we're, that, that's where that sustainability and continuity come together as wise effort. It's just not sustainable in that way. And people, I've known practitioners who burn out because of their practice or have had physical stuff that you might have in life due to stress while on retreat because they're just trying <laughs> so hard to get somewhere. <laughs> I mean, I'm laughing and it's also, it's painful. It's actually really painful way to practice. I've had those experiences. I won't get into it right now, but I, I've done that. I've been there, done that. And it's, you know, if you can avoid it, it's, it's better. Sometimes we have to go in that way. Like you were saying, Betsy, if we don't know where the edges are. We have to play around with it. We have to test it out. It's a lot of trial and error. And then at some point that trial and error, it's all this information and it clicks something. We, we get it, you know, and then we can live through that. Okay. I better stop. <laughs> I do like this topic. <laughs> I could talk a while longer, but um, I won't. <laughs> Not tonight anyway. Well, thanks everyone for, for joining me this evening. It's good to be with you always. I'll ring the bell. Well, I'll dedicate merit and then I'll ring the bell. So just coming back to the body if you left it, taking a moment to acknowledge just the wholesomeness of coming together in this way, practicing in this way. May it be for our own benefit and help us navigate our life. May it also be for the benefit of all beings everywhere, rippling out in all directions excluding no one. May we be happy and content. May all beings be safe from inner and outer harm. May all beings be healthy in mind and body. May all beings be free. May we all be free. Okay, everyone. Thank you. Take care of yourselves. Thanks, Kate. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Thank Thank you. for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.